So when it comes to living longer, you want to thrive. You want to feel good in your body. Our guest today, Dr. Ram McLean, is going deep into how to feel better and live longer. All of the easy, free, simple hacks. And me, oh, I'm telling you, all of the emotional interventions that you need to be doing to keep your body feeling good and you're the most magnetic person out there. So stay tuned for this amazing show. We're ready. Let's get in. Right, everyone, welcome to Heal Thyself. As always, all of the love and appreciation for you showing up, taking the time out of your day, really. Think about it. One of the number one things we can give, one of the most valuable resources out there is our attention and our presence. So that doesn't weigh lightly on me. I understand that your presence and attention is so powerful. Thank you for it. This show, I mean, every show, right? Every show, there's that excitement, but it's true. I'm excited to give this information to you. This show is fantastic. We have Dr. Rand McLean. He is a renowned, he's, he's an OG. He's been at this for a long time. He's a renowned longevity doctor, right? And he gives the best recommendations for us. We all want to live longer, but we want to thrive as we're getting older. If you have kids, you want to be there for all of the major events in their lives or milestones, but you want to feel good. It always comes down to feeling, thriving, living fully, feeling good in your body. Number one, so he's going to give us all of his top recommendations. This is the expert out here in Los Angeles. People from around the world go and see him because they want to feel good as they're getting older. And guess what? We're getting older by the day. And in my knowledge bomb, I'm going to give you three of the most simple, easy, most powerful recommendations, interventions you can do at home to get in touch with your emotions and start moving repressed emotion. This is easy stuff. I give this to all my clients and now I'm putting it out there for everyone here on the podcast. Easy stuff you can do at home, part of your ritual. And guess what? It's not going to take a lot of time. The most important, right? If it's easy, it's doable, and it's not going to take a lot of time. We have no excuses. So with all that said, let's get to these amazing knowledge bomb tips on healing your emotion. Oh my God, you have no idea how many people are walking around the world with repressed emotions. Now, I've, if you listen to this show for a long time, you heard me talk about pieces from this. I've had a fantastic guest over the years, but it occurred to me very recently that I should just be given some easy, simple tips for everyone who one may not have the time, the budget, whatever it is to see me privately or in the virtual group setting. What can we access right now, free at home, start intervening into our rituals that'll make us feel better, that'll make our body feel better to help us get in touch with our body, help us get in touch with our emotions. So I thought to myself, there's three really simple exercises that over the years, seeing so many people that I've reduced into the most powerful bang for buck interventions for emotional healing. So today I'm going to tell you three of my easiest interventions of getting back in the body, beginning to get in touch with your body, beginning to get in touch with those deep repressed emotions. Number one, when it comes to connecting to your emotions, it is nearly impossible to do so if your belly isn't relaxed. Whoa. If I ask everyone listening or viewing the show, take a deep breath in, take a deep breath in and notice if your shoulders are going up and your chest is inflating. Because that isn't the way we're made to breathe. How many of us are sucking in our stomach and then breathing in? And if you notice, if you notice, most of you out there are breathing like that all day. 
every single day through and through. Now, I want everyone viewing or listening to think about if we all went on a giant community hike, right? 20, 30, 40,000 of us going on a massive hike and there's a 20-foot bear that jumps out of the corner and start and gets on its two feet. Now it's 40 feet tall and it growls and everyone, all of us, thousands and thousands of us can feel that growl. Immediately, all of us would breathe in, inflate our chest and put our shoulders up. This is what's called the sympathetic breath. Not I am sympathetic for you that you're breathing like that. It's putting us into the sympathetic nervous system branch of our autonomic nervous system. That means that fight or flight is activated or freeze. Because think about it. If we saw that bear, all of us, most of us would run. Some of us would freeze. None of us would try to fight the bear unless there's a brave one out there. But most of us would be in that freeze or flight. So that breath is the breath of sympathetic nervous system. Now think about how many of you are activated just in that breath all day, every single day. Look at your stomach. Is it tight? Feel your stomach. Is it tight? Now I want you to relax it. This is the number one thing. I want you to relax your belly and think about like you just ate Thanksgiving dinner and you lean back and you sort of just unbutton the top button and maybe you loosen the belt a few notches and your belly hangs. And this is opposite of what society says. We got to have our stomach in, like you're going to a cocktail party, you got a tux on, or you got a cocktail dress on, or we got to look really good and fit into it. No, 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 no. This is the opposite where we're, ah, and relaxing our belly. Kind of feels good to relax our belly, but notice how much tension is in your belly just from relaxing. If there is tension and you feel like you have a rubber band waistband on, that means that you're sucking your stomach most of the day. Think about children. You know, when they're walking around in their diapers, underwear, or even naked, they got their little pot bellies. That's because they're breathing naturally like their body intended. Because when our belly is uh, relaxed and out, guess what? Our diaphragm can fully expand, right? That's pushing in the organs in a good way, moving the juices, detoxifying, right? But also as we're exhaling out, the diaphragm's expanding more, right? And pumping blood into the system. This is important for our overall health. Aside from emotions, we got to make sure we're breathing right. So every single person, check in on your stomach. If your stomach is tight, just let it loose and relax for a moment. (sighs) And let your belly hang. Now put your hand on your belly and feel it, right? Wherever you are. You could be at work. You could be in the car. You could be on your living room couch. Put your hand on your belly and just feel it, right? The Buddha belly. Now, that is just an awareness around that is going to change your life. I want you to make sure three times a day minimum. So what are three things you do every single day? You probably brush your teeth, I hope. Maybe you shower every single day, okay? Uh, you definitely eat every single day, so choose one of your meals too. So three times a day before you do that thing that you are going to do inevitably, check your belly. Is my belly relaxed? Is my belly soft? Is my belly hanging? and just check in if your belly is relaxed. That already is gonna start the gears moving in your body for you to have that mind-body connection that, oh wow, my belly's not relaxed, let me relax it. Now, the more you do that, the more you're in the awareness of what a belly that is relaxed feels like. Do it in your car, do it at work, do it before you eat. Relaxing the belly is going to put you in the opposite parasympathetic state. Now you're going to not only digest your food better, but you're giving your nervous system the signal that the environment around you is safe. The evolutionary biological signal 
that that bear isn't there. So now your cells can relax. They're not in hyperdrive. Your nervous system is not on hyperdrive. Your immune system is not on hyperdrive. I actually believe that so many of us are suffering with so many diseases because we're not breathing right. We're just not, listen to that. I'm going to say that again. I believe so many of us are suffering with so many diseases because we're just not breathing right. And we're telling our body that it's not safe. And we're now suffering with the complications of being in an oversympathetic state. And then we go to the doctor and we go, I don't know why I have all this going on. And they're like, okay, well, we have a medication for you to shut off your body signals. Forget that. Connect with your body. Belly's number one. We're talking about emotions. But first, it's about mind-body awareness before emotions. The second thing, I want you to connect to your body every single day. I did a little bit of a show about how to connect to your body a few months ago. But very simply, you don't have to take 40 minutes to do a deep 40-minute body meditation. You can, and that's all the better. But a lot of us are busy people. And I want to make sure that you all integrate this into your lives. So really getting in your body five, 10 minutes. So what does that mean? Well, if you wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth and you do your little morning routine and part of it is meditation. Before that, I want you to do a body meditation. Now, this is what I do. It might help you. I wake up, I brush my teeth. I'll check my belly in the morning, make sure that, okay, I'm breathing right. I'm going to start off my day in a parasympathetic mode unless the lion starts chasing me and then it'll go in sympathetic. Then I'll lay down on my couch and then I'll just do a body scan. For me, one day might be feeling my feet, feeling my toes, feeling my ankles, feeling my heels, feeling the weight of my body, right? You wanna make sure you feel the weight of your body being held by the surface that's under you, right? Because that's gonna help relax your fascia, relax your muscles. Your nervous system is gonna start relaxing. This might be really good for some of you in the middle of the day too when you're really activated. I myself have a PMF mat a grounding mat, which is actually really helpful for me. So I lay on that when I'm doing the body scan because it helps up the experience. It makes it much quicker for me. Now, the more you do this, the better you're going to get. So at this point, I can lay down, do the body scan very quick. Even without doing the body scan, I can already tell where tension is in the body. And this is the goal. Even though it's not about doing and goal-oriented, you want to make sure you're bringing awareness to where you're holding tension. If you're holding tension in your throat, you better believe you're holding back words that you need to say to someone. If you're holding tension back in your chest, you better believe you're holding back some emotion, most likely sadness. If you're holding it in your shoulders, especially on the left side, that's mostly sadness. Right side is mostly anger. If you're holding it in the belly, which I promise you a lot, if some of you are tuning in right now, feel where you have tension. If you're holding it in the belly on the right side by your liver, ooh, that's anger. Left side is usually the fear. When you move into the hips, the root or the womb, that's usually the shame the guilt, the repressed sexuality. If there was any molestations, rapes, abortions, miscarriages, that's usually sadness and anger as well. There's another layer. So think about today, right now, where are you holding emotion? Even if it's in your extremities, your hands, what are you holding on to that you don't want to let go? If it's in your legs, what do you run away from? It's so crazy how we overcomplicate health. Think simply, think intuitively. What is your body telling you? The more that you connect to your body, the more you're going to connect to your intuition. How many of you go, I used to be intuitive, but not anymore? That's because you disconnected from your body. And you're living in your head like a balloon head without your feet on the ground. That's okay. That's protection. The body will always look to ground you so it can heal. The ego in the head will always look to pull you away from the body so it can be safe. Normal is not always healthy. Your normal doesn't mean it's healthy. 
that means that we oftentimes run into our head, protect ourselves from what's in our body. Guess what? Our body has everything we ever needed. The blueprint for everything. All of the healing you ever needed in your body. Are you in the right relationship? Answers in your body. Are you in the right job? Answers in your body. Everything. So it stands to believe, how do we confront the parts of us that are scary? Well, we do it by being. Creating more being in our lives. Laying down, connecting to our bodies. Feeling where there's tension. Put your hand on the tension. Rest it on where you feel tension. If it's in your belly, in your chest, in your throat, in your womb, whatever it is, your root, rest it on there. And I want you to breathe into that hand. That means for every breath, as you exhale, bringing your awareness under the hand. Breathing in. As you exhale, bringing it under the hand. Do 10, do 20 of those. The goal is to get in that sort of calm, trance-like state where you're under your awareness, you're under your hand, you're in the place where you're holding the most tension. Now we're activating your intuition. Because if you ask yourself in the first five seconds, what am I holding here? What emotion is here? What am I not letting go? What am I resisting? Whatever way you want to frame it, the more you connect with that trance state of just rest, being at peace, that meditative state, your body's going to talk to you. So very, very important. Connect to where you have tension. Check it every single day. You're going to see that most likely you're holding tension in the same place. For me, I'll be open about it. I oftentimes, when I check in with my body, the only place I hold tension in my whole body is my upper left belly. That's fear and worry, right? So I, since childhood, I've always been a worry ward. Is everyone okay? Is this going to be handled? Is this going to go right? Is this going to go wrong? So I needed to connect with my body to know how it feels. And anytime I have tension, I know that I'm not surrendering to something. So anytime I feel tension in my upper left belly, I go, okay, what am I worrying about? Immediately ask my body, what am I holding on to? Boom, my body shows me and me letting it go, me letting it go. That's my work. But what is your work? Where in your body is your body trying to talk to you? What is your work? You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them and their quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products, GHKCU, and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alitura Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, 
our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trafalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that has been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has your back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. And the last part, number three, for moving emotion and connecting to the body is your breath and voice. You got to connect to this. I'm of the camp that it's very difficult to release emotion if you don't connect to your voice. Your voice is everything. The sound of your voice, the power of your voice, the strength of your voice is everything when it comes to moving emotion. And I'm not talking about yelling from the top of your chest. I'm talking about sounding from the bottom of the bowels of your belly, right? You want to make sure it's resonant uh, versus ah, right? Resonant, and you want to make sure it projects. So I want you to imagine, how do you sound if you're breathing in, filling up your belly and from your belly, sounding all of that air out? How does it sound if you were on stage on Broadway and the whole room was filled? Do you have the capacity in your voice for every person in that room to not only hear you, but feel you? If I came late to your Broadway performance and there was standing room only and I was in the back left corner, can your voice hit me? Can your voice project all the way, 30, 40, 50 feet across the whole auditorium so I can feel your voice? Because if the answer is no for you, then you got some work to do. Because to connect with your true repressed emotions, you have to connect to the projection and power of your voice. This would be number one. This is no, no particular order, but this is so important, okay? So that means filling up that belly with breath, filling it up fully right? And practicing your voice. Do it in the shower. Easiest way to do it. The acoustics are great, right? Filling up the belly and from your belly, making the sound, right? Uh, right? However it sounds, what is, if you're feeling angry, what's the sound of anger? If you're feeling sad, what is the sound of sadness? If you're feeling fearful, what is the sound of fear in the same pattern and cadence of filling up the belly and releasing the sounds from the belly. Remember, it's always going to be more guttural than it is going to be airy from the top of your chest. If you do these three things, intervene them in your life, intervene them every single day, your life will change. I promise you that. This is 101 to being a human. The only things that I've given you was things that you did so easily, readily, and seamlessly as a child. 
All I'm doing is giving you, reminding you of things that you used to do so well. Do these three things. Watch your physical health, mental health relationships change. The more you have a relationship with your body, the more your health changes. Because health is far beyond just, I'm not sick. I promise you that. Health is, it's everything. It's you. You Literally, the, ex, the expansive, most authentic, expressive version of health is you. That's the definition of health. And my God, it's our God-given right. I really hope that helped. Start intervening these early on. Do them in a the day, whenever you need to, whenever you feel called to. Honor your body. Do them for 30 days. 30 days. And if you listen to this show, I'm going to be available for you. 30 days. Do a 30-day challenge. Reach out to me on Instagram and let me know how those 30 days went. Send me a voice note. Not 10, just one. 10 or that's a lot to listen to. So send me one minute of voice notes and I'm going to get right back to you. I'm going to be so excited to hear your experience. Let me know how it works for you. Now, we talked about emotional health. We talked about feeling good in our body, but there are physical aspects to it. And guess what? We got Dr. Rand McLean, the guru of longevity, living longer, feeling better, and he's going to give us all the cheapest physical interventions that we need to be doing to having a long, healthy, bountiful, thriving life. All right, everyone, welcome to today's episode. Listen, I'm getting up there in age. At least sometimes I'm told by the people around me. And I want to make sure that I'm living a long, healthy, but a life that's thriving, that feels good in my body. So I've been so much more into longevity, anti-aging, especially in the past 10 years. Well, guess what? I got the man, Dr. Rand McLean, on the show. And he is the anti-aging longevity guy. He's got the book out cheating death. And we're going to go all into how to live longer, how to thrive, how to feel good in your body. What are the things that we need to be doing right now for the future? Welcome to the show. Thanks. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I, listen, I gave you a really good hype up, man, because I, I'm, <laughs> longevity is, yes, is my thing. It's my thing. <laughs> Doc, I appreciate you. Right off the bat, I'm going to ask you, what is the number one in your research, in your practice, what is the number one thing we need to be doing to live longer? It's a tough one there. I, you know, I don't mean to dodge the question, but there's no number one. I would say, you know, this is kind of anticlimactic when people are listening because they go, well, it's going to be some new supplement or some magical drug, right? It's not. It's the same stuff that grandma and great grandma has been saying for years. And it's really a, a, a tripod of a base that we need. And it's the, the sleep and... Uh, you know, it's not as simple as, well, grabbing some shut-eye, right? We have some very good, deeply researched science behind how much sleep you need, the quality which we can now measure, okay? And uh, it really fits everybody, unless you are, uh, you know, in the category of the very, very rare that have a gene mutation. I think one of maybe, maybe it's up to three now that we've identified that say, oh, yeah, you can get away with five, but that's super right. rare. Then the course exercise, which everyone's been talking about forever, but typically it's in the context of simply weight loss or more specifically fat loss, right? But this is in terms of longevity and being able to live a more healthy life while you're sticking around, right? Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of science behind, you know, not only uh, performing exercise, the quantity, but the quality. For example, you don't need to do the same stuff that elite amateurs and professional athletes are doing. As a matter of fact, there's some evidence that uh, you know, the, again, the, the poisons in the dose, right? Too much of that kind of stuff is actually not beneficial for you. And there is a difference between that 
prescription for exercise and you know just some gardening around uh, in the backyard at, at you know what we call zone two or less yeah. and then uh, lastly n- nutrition that's been talked about for forever and we talked about before the show you know how s- so much of that evidence is really not evidence it's lousy evidence the studies that are that are used to support nutrition are you know um, observational retrospective um, not the gold standard in, in medicine or science but uh, we do know a lot, however, about uh, proper nutrition. We certainly know a lot about what not to eat. You know, we know that refined sugar is a general rule, unless you're on, on your racing bike in a race, is not good for you, okay? Uh, so there's a lot more we know about this. And, and uh, those three, nutrition, uh, exercise, and sleep, make the basis for what we call now health span, right? Mm-hmm. What you're referring to, healthy longevity, not just longevity. And uh, from there, though, we can, once you have that base, we can really tweak things for the long haul to squeeze out, you know, not just years, but maybe even decades. I love that. And that's where, you know, we can get into some of the more juicy stuff that people are looking for, like rapamycin. Really? That's a new drug that'll do what? Right, right. Okay, okay. So I got an idea. I want to go by each tripod. Let's go by the tripods. Let's let's cover them. And then let's get to the little juicy stuff at the end. Um, Sleep. Okay. I've done many shows on sleep some sleep rituals, sleep hygiene. First of all, I, I mean, you know, I went on your Instagram and I saw a question about napping. Uh, is napping healthy? Should we be napping every day or should we skip the napping because it's going to affect our sleep? Well, we should probably state from the beginning that we're generalizing about everything here, right? right. For the most part, right? Uh, it's individualized. And so I would argue that generally speaking, absolutely naps are great. As a matter of fact, if you talk to uh, the experts, Dr. Bruce, Dr. Walker, who's culled a lot of this information into his book, uh, you'll note that we're considered biphasic. We're supposed to sleep at night, but also designed to take a nap in the afternoon. What we usually refer to as that food coma, postprandial narcosis after lunch. We blame it on lunch, but it's really designed in us to do so, to take that 20 to 40 minute nap or the siesta. Uh, however, if you're having trouble sleeping at night, Here's the exception to the rule. There are always, well, I shouldn't say that. There are always exceptions to a rule. That's a rule where there's an exception to it, but you know what I mean. Uh, We build up sleep pressure as the day progresses. That desire, whether whether we like it or not, that feeling that we have to go to sleep. And if you take a nap, you relieve that. So people who are insomniacs, both having trouble falling asleep, which is the obvious, but also staying asleep, don't want to take a nap more than likely. Because in the case of the less obvious, uh, people trying to stay asleep. There's a momentum you get if you have enough sleep pressure to hold you asleep through the night. If if you you know if you keep that sleep pressure and don't take a nap, but that can be, I don't know the patients that you see, but uh, I would you know I would have said that's an exception to the rule. But I see a lot of folks that have trouble sleeping, both falling asleep and even more so staying asleep. So as a general rule, napping's great, but uh, again I would take it on an individual basis. Thank you for that. We needed to clear that up, but it's always come back to individuality as far as when nutrition, exercise, and sleep. Now, when it comes to sleep, what are some of uh, the doc's major pillars for getting a good night's sleep? And you mentioned people who don't, uh, they're not able to stay asleep through the night. What are some tips for folks who are listening and viewing who suffer with that? One of the easy ones is stay away from pills if you can, okay? Uh, while we're talking about that, one of the ones we don't have enough evidence for yet is CBD and or uh, with THC. A lot of people swear about the combination being necessary. 
again, it's individualized, but I don't think we have enough, and maybe it's changed in the last few weeks. You know how it is yeah, with yeah, medicine yeah. these days, thankfully. But whether it disrupts the architecture of sleep, how long you're in REM sleep, how long you're in deep sleep, how long you're in light sleep, et cetera, and there's different gradations within those, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure the evidence is in yet. If it doesn't disrupt your sleep architecture, there's a great case for using it, right? Mm. Uh, there's another drug, um, well, I don't want to get into, into to all the, the drugs, but if you can avoid sleep aids, meaning the pills, that's a good idea, because so far we don't have any that you're not robbing Peter to pay Paul with. Mm. Um, but one of my favorite you know, sleep hacks is, uh, have you heard of the chili pads? Yeah. Anything that you can cool your mattress pad with, and therefore the bed in general, works by what's designed in, in Mother Nature to go from hot to cold initiates that, hey, it's time to sleep reflex. Mm -hmm. And so a drop in temperature of I think three to five degrees is all you need, if that. Now, room temperature is supposed to be 63 to 67 degrees per the studies. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you can take even a, a warm shower, a warm bath, different from exercise, I'll circle back to that in a second, but just something where then when you climb into bed in a cool room, uh, and I think the, the 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 cool bed just leverages it, supercharges it. Yeah. Uh, you'll get dinged on your Ura ring for uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it has, okay, so you know the uh, sleep latency. You'll get dinged because you'll be out at least I will in two or three minutes instead of the standard, you know, whatever it is, twelve to fourteen, yeah. Yeah. because it's so effective and no drugs, no nothing. And typically, going back to the exercise part, if you haven't exercised right before bed within three hours, you're safe because you rev yourself up too much otherwise but you'll still be warm enough just even naturally so you'll experience that drop in temperature. Mm. Not making a case for afternoon or evening workouts, but for those that that's their only chance to yeah. do so, as long as you leave that three hour gap, you should be safe. Yeah, and that, it's great that you explain that because so many people say, hey, listen, should I take a hot shower before bed? Because everyone's talking about this core temperature going up, it's gonna disrupt my sleep. You're saying hot shower is great, come out, and then you go, come into a cold bed, cold room, and you're knocked out. Well, I think the, the, the key phrase there too is core temperature. Mm -hmm. You know, so much of cryotherapy is the change in the, the skin temperature, the outer temperature, not necessarily the core. I mean, you can change the core if you stay in the, the, the cryo, uh, the ice bath for too long, which right. is, is, can be a problem for hypothermia. But when you jump into something which paradoxically is way colder, you know, some of these machines go down to 250 below, the one I have here is 150 below, that's plenty. To drop your surface temperature, 25 degrees is all you need to initiate that reflex. Mm -hmm. And same here, uh, you know, if you take a hot shower, presumably it's not hot, hot, and it's you're not in there long enough to, to change your core temperature that much, that's the key difference, mm. or at least what, one of them. What about folks who eat late at night? Is that gonna disrupt their blood sugar? Yeah. Is it gonna affect their sleep, especially the ones who wanna fall asleep and they keep waking up throughout the night? That's a major no-no. Okay, there are always uh, those individuals that can get away with it to some degree, but in general, what we find is if you eat or drink too late, particularly alcohol, of course, you're gonna see that, that sugar spike, which is followed by an insulin spike, and just to side note that one very quickly, that's gonna affect your body's ability to produce growth hormone, which is a very regenerative horse, uh, hormone. And of course, there's some back and forth about you know one of the resulting products of that manufacturer, meaning when the growth hormone goes to the liver and creates, uh, the, the liver then creates IGF-1. Um, we've got some controversy over whether that's good for you or bad for you. I would argue it's not so simple. If you've got somebody who's active 
not just riding a desk all day, then, you know, something that regenerates the organs and, and the ligaments and tendons, it's actually a good thing. Mm. And you might want to initiate that. But at any rate, whether you're going to raise your growth hormone levels or not, you're definitely stymieing them uh, by eating too late. But you're also, um, you're not letting the body do what it needs to do. When you're asleep, you're repairing things, not in the sense of the regeneration, but you're cleaning out the GI tract, almost literally sweeping it out, not literally, but you know what I mean. Uh, you're, you're engaging in autophagy, the cellular repair, okay? You're at that level where, you know, you're fixing things, you're repairing the DNA, you're, you're, you're cleaning out the literal garbage in the cell, you know, the lysosomes are doing what they're supposed to do. So all the repair work is supposed to be done. If you're still doing the daytime work yeah. of, oh, eating and, and digesting food, you're throwing yourself off. Mm. And uh, arguably you're throwing the whole process off when it comes to the circadian rhythm, which, which is another key to, to um, improving your sleep. To go to bed every night at the same time and rise the next day at the same time is essential to improving your sleep. Mm. I would argue particularly, I mean, the, the thing that's harder to change between the two is when you rise. So for people who are only grabbing six hours of sleep and need to get somewhere between seven and nine, we've proven that, changing the bedtime is the best approach to that. Mm. Regularity is key. The body thrives on regularity. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? An experience to prove that it's not only delicious, but it's also health focus. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who prioritize taste as well as well-being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in that process is rooted in health-focused principles backed by solid, scientific, research-based, rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity, and this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy, boosting compounds with every sip. Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roast with sweet fruity notes and their dark roast with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. 
But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been opened and I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights and these are staples. And, I, and not just me, I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle, staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen, it's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen in the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. Momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. Trust is everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. So if you've eaten late, um, it might be harder to fall asleep or again, maybe too easy, but then you wake up later oftentimes because you have that sugar spike resulting insulin spike and then you, you dropped into a blood glucose trough and that can wake you up. What, well, why do you get cranky when you haven't eaten sometimes? Your, your body send, sends a signal saying, hey, where's the food? And it releases ad adrenal hormones that say, hey, okay, well, we're gonna have to generate some blood sugar here. Yeah. And that can wake you up. That's yeah. not pleasant. No, not at all. Yeah. I, I mean, I've done it myself. No, we all I know. Have, right? Yeah. And there's a certain time. I know if I eat past it, I get hot in bed, I'm sweating in bed, and I'm just waking up throughout the night. And it's it's a very unpleasant feeling. And I'm like, why did I eat so late? I'm never going to do this again. And Made worse with alcohol too, right? Oh, the, the, when Which I was, goes into the system even faster than sugar. Yeah. And, and it's funny because people, when they drink alcohol, they'll pass out, quote unquote, and they'll be like, wow, I didn't wake up through the night, but but they still feel exhausted. And it's because they're just not getting what you're yeah. in sleep. And I would argue the amount of alcohol you would have to imbibe to get to that point where you don't have that wake up at two or three in the morning would be way more than is good for you. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So for the folks who are, uh, you know, doing the core body temperature stuff and not eating late, not exercising too late, but sometimes they're still waking up through the night. Is that, is that a cortisol thing? Is, is this like just a strictly a stress thing? Because there's a lot of folks who say, hey, doc, I'm doing all the right things, but I just, if a, if a caterpillar comes in the room, I wake up. Comes down to another factor that can help you fall asleep too, but the wind down factor, you know? People talk about turning off your you know, computers and not checking your email, not watching exciting shows, yeah. you know, things, you know. I, I would say um, if it's not full-on meditation, it's a, it's a moment of thoughtfulness where you say, okay, I'm packing up the day, so to speak. Maybe even write it down. Okay, here's what I do tomorrow because we have, the, I refer to it as RAM memory, right? Ah, I got to remember to X, Y, or Z. And you juggle it all day long and then you go to bed, you're too tired, you don't think about the juggling. But when you've had that first cycle of sleep, maybe four hours, you wake up with that stuff you're still juggling in RAM. It happens all the time. Yeah. People start to ruminate at night. You know, they've got the 2.3 kids and a mortgage and they're exhausted at the end of the day. They're doing everything right, like you say. They're working hard. 
But as soon as they have the energy to wake up and start worrying again, they do. And so one of the things I do, and I'm not a psychiatrist, but it's a simple trick to say, hey, write it down. Because two things typically happen. Okay, one, when you wake up in the middle of the night again, thinking about that thing, you go, shut up brain, I already, I already wrote that down, I don't have to juggle it, go back to sleep. And two, in the light of day, you look at that and you go, really? I woke up thinking about remembering to make my car payment? And I joke, you know, you're gonna get plenty of love notes from the car company or the, the bank reminding you right. before they tow your car away, right? So why do we wake up and start thinking about that? I don't know. But that leads to another topic that we may or may not wanna discuss, you know, with time, at 20 years old, typically, this is not an issue for most, right? At 20 years old, you didn't wake up and start thinking about these things. If you did, you said, shut up, brain. I'll handle it when I wake up in the morning, like I always do. You had the confidence and you were like full of vim and vigor and said, no biggie. In midlife, you wake up and you go, oh, God, and you keep ruminating about it. Why? You lost some of that. Why? What happens at midlife? Your hormones start to drop off. And with the, the, some of those hormones, that energy, that that sense of well-being, that joie de vivre, that confidence goes. And you see a lot of people who come in for hormone replacement yeah. and they don't mention anything about their sleep. This is my office anyway. And then and then uh, in the 90-day follow-up, they come in and, and by the way, doc, I'm sleeping so much better now. Who knew? And of course you go, yeah, no wonder. Because you uh, feel better again. Mm -hmm. Like you perhaps you did when you were 20. Yeah, yeah. I, man, I remember when I was 20 that nothing could wake me up. <laughs> I mean, like maybe seven hours of sleep and I'm still going to class and taking all the notes and I'm going out and all the... Seven hours of sleep now, I'm a zombie. I need a good eight, maybe yeah. eight hours in, in 10 minutes. You know, it's it just... It just changes. You feel your body changing. This is really the first time in my life, like in the past five years, I felt like real marked changes in myself. I'm like, whoa, okay, now this is, I guess, what's happening. But I'm going to do everything that's in your book and make sure that I'm getting myself right. Let's move to exercise, okay? There's, you, you talk about like whole industries with confusing uh, misinformation, yes information, no information. The average viewer and consumer of exercise content can get very confused. I just open up Instagram and I have this exercise the best, this workout's the best, work out for this long, don't work out for this long because it'll kill you. <laughs> I, we, we just need simplicity here. What are some major pillars for longevity and health span when it comes to exercise? Well, one way is to just measure it. You know, there's plenty of ways to skin a cat. There's plenty of ways to get there. One of the problems is, you know, somebody with the big biceps in the gym, because he chose his parents well, is doing something that's way wrong. But people go, well, gosh, look at his biceps. That must be the way to do it. That can sometimes work for you. Copy somebody, you know, who's doing something and getting the results. And sometimes it can be a disaster for the reason I just mentioned. Find out what works for you. You can use some of these tips, but don't take them as gold. Take them as suggestions and say, oh, well, maybe that'll work for me. And then note what works for you. How can you know? Again, there are... Uh, uh, health span connections, as it were, between VO2 max, your ability to process, you know, to intake and, and utilize oxygen. That's one thing we can measure and say, okay, is the training I'm doing from something I read on Instagram working or not? Um, and of course, then there's always, just as a quick side note, you know, to what degree is it working? Is it an efficient way to do this or not? And that's going to be you being your own health advocate and observing and just trying different things to see what works best. But we also know there's a connection between uh, health span and muscle strength. 
You know, we get plenty of studies and you know, use grip strength, you know, leg extension, stuff like that. But muscle strength is also associated with longevity. Those are things you can measure. How many reps and how much am I lifting? Right? It's not so hard. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's muscle mass, which is also connected and, of course, correlated between strength, too, to some degree. Mm -hmm. It's not just neural connections. You have to have yeah. some mass there right. to flex. Uh, but, again, that's something we can measure. So that's a pretty broad stroke right there. And within all that, you can try all these different things. As long as, and I would argue, you know, maybe seek out some advice, particularly as we're older and we have more room for easy injury because we haven't seasoned our tendons as well as we used to when we were 18, 19, 20. But um, as long as you do things with proper form and there's no risk of injury, in other words, you know, you can you can try a lot of different things. Awesome. That's that's great. I mean, like that's foundational. Yeah. And, and we can measure it and that's the best way to see what works because everyone's different, right? What works for our body. Um, there's a lot around HIT exercises, HIT workouts. Um, I know everyone's different, but are these beneficial? And, and if so, wh what are they doing for our body that so many people advocate them? Arguably, you're hitting all the major points with that, okay? So, you know, you can do hit in such a way that you're, you're bumping up your VO2 max to some degree, certainly your strength and muscle mass. Of course, it's interdependent. You know, you still have to sleep and eat properly because you can, I call it, write the prescription every day using your workouts. But if you don't fill the prescription by eating properly and getting enough rest, you can actually go backwards, yeah. overtrain. Hit is one part though, okay? It's probably the most efficient. And if you only had so many hours in a day, actually minutes, right. this would be the one to choose first. But there's also benefits to something that's not so intense. There's a whole other uh, way of exercising, okay, that affects everything differently and there's all kinds of gradations because you can do the, the the what i call lsd the long slow distance stuff right where you're in zone two but if you do it too much you do it for hours you can actually have too much of a cortisol release yeah. which is no bueno for a lot of people who are already under um you know a lot of stress and releasing cortisol for obviously other reasons uh, but that gardening that I, uh, I spoke of earlier, that's important too. And you're, you're modeling the heart differently in your cardiovascular system, whether you're doing the high intensity stuff, the weightlifting, the sprinting versus, hey, the LSD, and I can talk to, you know, the zone two or below is, I can talk to someone next to me and hold a conversation without straining. Right. Uh, so, you know, that's again, a, a matter of figuring out what works best for you. And there's a lot of factors for that too. How old are you? Are you under stress in other areas in your life right now? Are you overweight, underweight? What season of the year is it? I mean, there's so many factors. Yeah. And it's not not that complicated, but just realize that you kind of have to, again, be your best health advocate and observe and use those as, as starting points anyway for what you consider is the best exercise for mm. you. And then mm. observe. I love that. Yeah. How about folks who say, okay, I go to the gym, I just do cardio, and then I leave, and that's my exercise. Should cardio be, is it enough to do the aerobic? And is that what the LSD mm -hmm. part you were talking about, the zone two? Mm -hmm. um, do we have to mix it always with anaerobic weight weight training? Which one should we do more? Again, it's individualized, but um, there's a lot of women in particular who say, no, you know, I'm not touching weights. I don't want to touch weights. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to get me all bulky like, uh, you know, like, like, like I'm on steroids or something. Right. Uh, I know that's a misconception, but should more women be? That's a major misconception. Uh, I have to definitely harp on this one because uh, 
yeah, we've always thought of cardio as a way to burn fat. And that's mm -hmm. true to a certain degree that when you're in the, and it's not cut and dry, there's not a point at which you switch from one to the other, but there's different gradations of how much you're doing aerobically versus anaerobically. And there, it's always been said when you're more aerobic, you're burning more fat for fuel. And that's true. But over a 24 hour period, it doesn't necessarily make sense that that's the way to do it. Because, well, to back away from that for one second, first of all, if all you do is cardio, what's gonna happen over time when you need some fast twitch fibers, which are not made through cardio, and again, not to beat it at horse, but starting point is individual. Are you designed with more fast twitch or slow twitch? You know, people are designed for the long haul or the, the short sprint, right? Mm -hmm. And so you start with that, but you can develop these things to, to, to certain degrees within your, your genes, but you don't wanna uh, risk falls. And if you're, all you're doing is cardio, Again, I'm generalizing, you know, if you start to slip and fall, you don't have those uh, fast twitch fibers and the strength to catch your fall, well, then you're at risk. So you definitely do want to have a blend. What works for you is different. But what I want to harp on is this idea that, oh, I'm going to stay slim and trim by doing cardio. And I don't want to bulk up, look like Schwarzenegger. When, good luck with that, you know. And, you know... Hormones, anabolic steroids aside, it doesn't happen from just taking those. You still got to do the work. They just leverage the work you do. Yeah. So that's not a risk. You're not going to bulk up from doing that, okay? If you did, and because you had the genetic predisposition, it's because you're also eating enough and sleeping enough, et cetera, et cetera, um, and lifting differently than perhaps you should. But the idea that I'm trying to get across is muscle is synonymous, arguably, with metabolism you have to eat so much food to support your muscle mass, right? You don't hear your buddies telling you, oh man, you missed it, Dr. G, because we went to the library last night and studied Einstein's theories for a couple hours and burned a thousand calories. You ever gotten that phone call? No, no. it's always moving your muscles, right, to burn the calories. Well, even if you're not burning your muscles, meaning you're sleeping in your bed at night, you're burning more calories while you're sleeping, holding more muscle mass, whether it's five pounds represented roughly by my fist in, in terms of size, mm -hmm or you know, 15 pounds, whatever it is. And add to that, going back to this idea of the 24 hour period, not just the time you're doing the exercise, when you're doing your other stuff, including your aerobic zone two exercise, you're carrying more metabolic liability, right? With that muscle mass. So doing the same exercise on the treadmill that used to burn 500 calories, now you're burning 750 because you're carrying more muscle doing it. Mm -hmm. Is this making sense? Yeah, yeah. So the idea that you don't want to carry it, and again, if you look at this as, as five pounds to the, the female you referenced that wants to stay, I don't know, petite, you put this all over your body, you're not going to notice it. As a matter of fact, five pounds of, of fat looks more like a loaf of bread. So you're going to notice that more. And I realize you want to burn that off, but let's talk about the efficient way to do it. If you want to get into the numbers, remember your high school physiology? Two to four ATP per calorie you're burning when yeah. you're doing it anaerobically. Mm -hmm. You're doing it very inefficiently. Aerobically, you're getting 36 to 38 ATP, units of energy that can actually be you know, uh, made useful per calorie. Well, do you want to be, and no one gets this right when I ask patients, right? Do you want to be inefficient or efficient if you're trying to waste calories? I just gave you a huge hint, right? <laughs> you want to be inefficient. Yeah. So by exercising the anaerobic zone, not only are you setting yourself up in, with an investment in muscle for the long haul, you're being inefficient. You're burning that stuff off. Sure, a lot of it's glycogen, but you're still burning calories very inefficiently. And the reverse is true, right? When you think about aerobically, 
man, it's going to take you forever to burn away calories at 36 to 38 ATP. Yeah. So, you know, you don't necessarily want to be in great cardiovascular shape. If you like doing cardio, and I know I'm starting to get complicated here, but I, I apologize. If you go through it, it's, it's pretty simple. It just sounds kind of complicated. But what you, what you don't want to do is you don't want to get in great cardiovascular shape quickly because you don't want to get efficient quickly. You want to burn your calories at as low an intensity as possible if you're going to do your cardio, mm. you're focusing on burning fat, and you're focusing on not getting a great cardiovascular shape, so you're staying inefficient, if that makes mm. sense. I'm laughing because it sounds so counterintuitive. It does, it does. But the numbers don't lie, Yeah. right? But this, is, you know, a, 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 this has been a, a big thorn in my side for a long time because Patients always say, oh, no, no, I'm going to do car- I want to lose fat. I got to do cardio. And by the way, the reverse is true. Oh, I want to put on weight, doc. Okay, go start doing cardio. Wow. They go, oh, my God, I was, I'm talking to a quack. Think about it, though. If you do six weeks or eight weeks of cardio and, great, and get in great cardiovascular shape, okay, great fitness, improve your VO2 max, okay, raise your anaerobic threshold, then when you stop, which is then what I recommend you do, you have all this capacity now for exercise at higher intensity levels, you're in shape, you can suck it up, you can get rid of that lactic acid. Now I am getting a little too into the weeds, but you can get those extra reps, which is what you're trying to do, okay? And you're so efficient with your calories, you start packing it on without changing too much. So you can put on the weight. Mm, that's a good form. Completely different than what we've been sort of ingrained to think, right? And and it's, it's, when you say it, you know, I mean, if this was the 90s and, and we had all these, you know, scientists and, Back then, no influencers, but all the people who were behind this, they'd be like, what are you talking about, right? But it makes sense when you think about it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's like this perspective on thinking that I believe needs to be changed. There's a lot of people, and, and I see a lot of women, yeah, exactly that. Gym, just cardio, an hour, and then calling it a day, but never touching the weights. And, and knowing how important that is for exactly what you're saying. So... Thanks for saying that. And it wasn't to win the weeds. We have a very educated audience. We are, oh, good, we are, good, good. They are, they, we're, we're good. We're good. Um, I love that. I love that. Okay, so now I'm inspired because my thing's always been putting on weight. So I'm going to do some good cardio, build up that endurance, and then get to the really and heavy. Get after yeah, it. And get after it. Exactly. You don't have to cut it out ex- totally, but you get my point. Yeah, I get the point. Okay, so now let's get to this last pillar here. This is the one where there's really hard to... Uh, build up a really strong study around nutrition. You had mentioned it in the beginning. So because of that, there's so many different nutrition recommendations that are confusing, just like the workouts. A whole industry of, you got to eat this because this is really good for you. But if you eat this, the other person says, is going to kill you. I, I see it. And, and I just like mentioned it on my, uh, on my show or on my Instagram yesterday. Um, when it comes to us really foundational health stuff, what do we need to be doing? Not listening to the experts, <laughs> including me, in the sense that, you know, you, you again, you, I go back to you're your best health advocate. Find out what works for you. And I say this all the time. If someone tells you there's one way to eat, run away because right. they're, they're preaching the wrong stuff. There are some things we know. It's not good to eat a bunch of arsenic, you know, for sure. But beyond the obvious, there's a lot of things we don't know and different things work for different people. And again, going back to that, uh, the sugar thing I alluded to, you know, many a race has been won on pure sugar. So sugar in and of itself is not necessarily bad for you, 
okay? We need glucose to survive. Without it, the brain will die. But, you know, we take a lot of things out of context. Most Americans, did you read the obesity report? I'm putting you on the spot, but it just came out today, I believe. No, I didn't see it. Or yesterday, whatever it was. But uh, I think it was by 2035. Uh, Basically, 50% of the planets could be considered obese. And I think this is not a good obese, meaning someone's solid muscle. You know, obesity is still defined, unfortunately, as BMI. Yeah, but yeah. we're talking about fat people. That's, that's unbelievable when you think about it, right? Not unbelievable, because we have the ability. It's not incredulous. It's just, really? We're letting ourselves get out of shape like that? Yeah. So um, anyway, nutrition is going to have to be designed individually for sure. Uh, and... and um, well, what I was saying is about, you know, we make a lot of generalizations because we base it, base it on the masses. You and I could get away with a lot, and not because we're special, I'm saying, but because we're working out. So we have a lot of calories that are being burned in something, uh, hopefully, that we like doing, right? And the other calories are still giving us enough of the nutrition we need. So the vitamins, the, the polyphenols, the other things that we know are of value to us, we're getting. For people that are riding a desk all day and not going through a lot of calories, unless they're going to get really fat, even obese, they can't eat too much, can they? Mm -hmm. And so they have to be even more particular about what they get because if they don't eat all the right things, meaning that contain enough magnesium, enough of the B vitamins, unless they supplement, they're out of luck, aren't they? Because they're very restricted as to how much they can eat to get those nutrients. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And that's that's where, where I would argue you start with that. And from there, I mean, it's fun to look at body types, right? Ectomorph versus mesomorph versus endomorph. Like the the, the fasting thing fascinates me. That's become the, the latest fad. Mm-hmm. And what I have seen, this is just my observation, is that the endomorphs do really well with that. Now let's chat about something crucial. That is omega-3s. You know I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements... Right? We have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s. And, and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there. And a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, it's a quality brand, not only just with omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or on your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Pure's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Pure is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning, and all their fantastic products to you, the Heal Thyself listener. That's 20% off even the already discounted subscription price. I want you to go to Pure.com. Use my promo code DRG, that's P-U-O-R-I.com slash DRG to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by Pure. These days... These days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water or kombucha or coffee or tea. But not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. 
Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha, not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick, yeah, okay, but for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting, and antioxidant benefits. The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system, the EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently, and the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up, so easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha, plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash DRG. You're going to get 15% off plus all those freebies. Why? Because those are the ones I was always jealous, still am to some degree, you know, because they could put on weight eating like a bird, right? And just lifting weights a couple times or not even, and there's the muscle mass. Yeah. But for them to have a six pack of abs was a lot harder, right? So they can get away with risking going into, you know, uh, digging into their glycogen stores because they make muscle so easily, right? So they can get away with that. And it's good for their sugars. Obviously, it's one of their best ways to treat diabetes we know now. Uh, whereas a natural ectomorph, I mean, I can remember the days, remember? I mean, because I think you're like- I'm an ectomorph. Yeah. yeah. You miss a meal, one meal when you were in your 20s and there went, you know, five pounds of hard-earned muscle over the last nine oh months, my God. right? That's a story. So, you know, those are just little examples of how yeah, everyone, I, I don't think we're beating a dead horse. It's very important. People have to remember this. Everyone's different, but uh, you can certainly start with different things if you have a goal in mind. For example, someone who's trying to reduce their chances or already have a uh, plaque in their arteries, cor coronary artery disease, we know that um, it's proponent, uh, uh, one of its best proponents is uh, Dean Ornish, right? The, the basically uh, vegan... He's now changed it to now, I think he allows for some salmon in there, but a basically vegan diet, which is very low, whatever diet is, very low in, in um, saturated fats, is a great way to start. Now, as an athlete, it's very difficult. It's doable, thanks to the Game Changers movie, we saw that right. it's doable to be a vegan and still be an athlete. But for most of us, particularly you and me as an ectomorph, it's very difficult to be certainly a power lifter okay, on a purely vegan diet, so we might make some adjustments and add even more than just salmon. Mm -hmm. But a starting point with some of these diets, depending upon what the diet is designed for, is one way to go and then tweak it for what's best for you that you find. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's powerful right there. Just to think about, you know, again, not beating a dead horse, we have to figure out what's best for us and different body types, different metabolism, uh, one good for fasting, the other not like you said, um, and I remember back in college, man, I miss a meal and I'm like, where the hell did this muscle go? You know, it's like, or, or I'd get like sick, right? I'd, I'd have like the flu for like a few days. That was the worst. And then, and then I'm like, what happened to me? You know, I lost like 10 pounds. It's crazy. You know, it's, but it's different strokes for the different folks. Right. Um, are you a fan of green tea? A lot of people love green tea. A lot of green people love matcha for longevity. Are you a fan of that, uh, antioxidant? capacity of these type of uh, interventions. Absolutely. Who cares if I'm a fan? The science is the science. Yeah, and I'm making science. a point by saying that because EGCG, one of the active components of, uh, and there's more, but one of the, the one that's probably most studied in, in, in green tea 
is, uh, I call it uh, chemotherapy light, mm -hmm. right? It works on orthoquinones so that, in the same, same effect uh, that um, some of the cancer drugs, uh, some of the major cancer drugs uh, work by to, um, uh, well, to kill cancer. Uh, it's also, you know, we were, we're talking about uh, catechins and, and, you know, we're talking about the antioxidant uh, capabilities, uh, but as a cancer preventer and arguably a treatment, here's where we get into trouble when we say this kind of stuff, but the, uh, you, one can go on the internet and see, uh, particularly the studies with uh, James Moray, who's unfortunately passed on, but he spent most of his life studying uh, over 30 years, Enox2 proteins, and they're associated with uh, either you know fetal development or cancer. Mm -hmm. So if you and I have some Enox2 proteins floating around, that's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. And he showed how we can test for them uh, and before and after using a, a green tea extract, it's called uh, Capsol tea, uh, which is an equivalent, each capsule is equivalent to about 16 cups of green tea, but without the mm -hmm. uh, theophylline or any of the alkaloids that would, would stimulate you, and combine with um, uh, capsaicin, same way we, well, not exactly same, but uh, you know how we combine uh, something from the Piperin family with curcumin yeah, to activate yeah, yeah, it, and yeah. make it more bioavailable. Uh, taking that consistently um, has been shown, and you can look this up on the internet to, to uh, eliminate those Enox2 proteins and, and thereby, you know, you do the extension getting rid of cancer. Pretty cool. And I will share, and like I do in the book, uh, you know, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer uh, using both the Enox2 testing as well as uh, multi-parametric MRI, so we actually visualized the lesion. And I did my Capsule T and a few other things, including metformin, and it's been at least six years now, cancer-free. No irradiation, no uh, surgery. And I gotta be careful here because, right. you know, as you know in our profession, you can't make any claims about cancer, although there's no money in it for me, so I'm not doing it. But um, let's just say, even if it's an adjunct, Always check with your oncologist first, you know, right. to make sure you're doing things the right way. Right. Uh, because actually there are some studies showing that, for example, with metformin, activating uh, autophagy and some of the other mechanisms activated by metformin may not be the best thing for, uh, not the majority, but a few cancers. So we do have to be careful what we suggest to people, okay? Right. But with prostate cancer, it was a safe bet for me. I made the bet. I've won the bet in this case, so far so good. I and, uh, uh, so, but anyway, to answer your question, I think that's part of the reason perhaps why some of the cultures that uh, drink green tea do so well. It's also typically gonna keep some of the weight off you, right? I mean, when you, you drink stimulants, theophylline keeps it off you. Uh, for someone who's got um, asthma, it helps open up the bronchial passages and might make you a little bit more active. And we can come up with a lot of reasons why green tea works well. Mm -hmm. Uh, in terms, you know, uh, of many things, not just the uh, antioxidant capabilities. So, yeah, that's that's a winner for sure. I love it. It's one of my favorite yeah. ones, man. H have you ever read anything negative about green tea? I have not, not. yet. Yeah. Not yet. I mean, just people who are sensitive to caffeine, maybe a little bit of nausea, but not really. Uh -huh. You know, uh, you mentioned curcumin. Now, you a big fan of turmeric here? Uh, curcumin specifically. Yeah. Uh, turmeric, unfortunately. Probably you won't get the curcumin uh, released until it gets somewhere into the colon maybe. So it might be good for uh, calming down your colon. But my, my point being that, yeah, the, the active ingredient that I, I, I look for in the turmeric is the curcumin because we've got plenty of studies uh, with that. The, one of my favorite is the one with uh, Thorns product, Mariva. Mm -hmm. uh, and they took a gram twice a day. Uh, I use it with patients to uh, to get them off you know, multiple doses of NSAIDs like Advil. And there's yeah. people, I'm sure you have them too 
you know, down in three or four Advil three or four times a day and just go, oh my God, you know, kidney issues. I mean, it's the number one cause in said use of a peptic ulcer in the U.S. It's not H. pylori anymore. It's in said wow. use, right? Burning holes in people's stomachs. So uh, if we can get them off that, it's great. It's a, it's a great blood thinner. I mean, uh, I was joking on uh, something the other day. I don't know if anybody could see this, but... Uh, that strafing there, that's not just old man skin, you know, the thin skin, but it's because of the thinning effect of curcumin and a little fish oil. Oh, okay. Um, but curcumin is a great one for, for um, it's been associated again with reduction in uh, uh, cancer risk, particularly pancreatic cancer, but there are others mm -hmm. because of its uh, effect again uh, through that mechanism I mentioned. So yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, when I was working in oncology, that was really one of the go-tos for so many people. Um, I was just in shock to see how many pathways curcumin worked when it came to cancer. I was like, I can't believe this. Is this, is this like the best supplement that we can give someone with cancer? Again, different types, talk to the oncologist, but it was really something to see that. Particularly it was, pancreatic, right? I'm yeah, right, pancreatic, was, pancreatic yeah. was one that of the first one. ones that I remember reading yeah. years ago, years ago. Um, Okay, so what is the longevity docs top five foods? What are the top five oh, foods man. for longevity, health span, to, to make sure that we're here for our grandkids and maybe even great grandkids? Is this a trick question? It, it might be a trick Because we were talking question. about you know, how it's different for everybody. Uh -huh. I, mean, I can remember. Generally speaking, in, this, in, in yeah. science. Hmm. Generally, so, so for, the, for the, what we're going to assume is the, let's define then the, the population we're talking about. The average American? Yes. Yeah, the average American, as we stated earlier, is overweight. Mm -hmm. The average American probably has fatty liver. Okay, about a third are estimated in this country to have fatty liver diagnosed or not, or some metabolic dysfunction, you know, again, diagnosed, uh, typically type two diabetes or not. So in that case, um, I would argue um, in general, a high protein diet with low starchy carbs, uh, meaning uh, no potatoes, pastas, except as absolutely minimally necessary. Um, and then plenty of fats, depending upon, again, if this person is overweight or not, and we're assuming ice they are, so uh, let me back off and just say, be careful with the fats in that they're calorie dense, uh, so you don't want to overeat them, but they're great because they don't spike your, your blood sugars, which is a problem. Uh, and you go on that, you know, particularly first thing in the morning. Uh, to get into a little bit more of the nitty-gritty, uh, don't start your day with any starchy carbs, typically, right? If mm -hmm. you're the average American, because you don't want to start that roller coaster ride of blood sugar and insulin reaction and that kind of thing. Protein is a very poor source of energy. Uh, it takes a lot of work to get energy out of it. So, you know, start with, you know, ham and eggs or something like that. Mm -hmm. I got to be careful now because, again, we get into the, the nitty-gritty, you know, for someone who's got hypertension, Ham might not be such a great idea because it's so full of salt, for example. So right. it's hard to give. You're, you're putting me on the spot. It's hard to give. You know the top five, but you know, generally speaking, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of ketogenic diets, except for again, I go back to the endomorphs. Um, but for diabetics, it's actually pretty doggone good too, mm. right? Because you avoid that that sugar spike. So again, if we're defining it as the average American, yeah. uh, the problem is I'm not sure. I mean, there's guys out there. Doctors even, I, I love watching, uh, and you probably do too, because it's, it may not be, well, maybe for your audience, because your audience is sophisticated, but I love watching Peter Atia because he speaks to maybe like, you know, half a percent of the population out there, if that, you know, know. like doctors, right, who can, who can follow him. But 
Uh, I think he's an example of someone who uh, was on ketogenic diet for uh, well over a year and did well with it, uh, despite, you know, you would argue, well, where are you getting your protein from? Yeah. You know, where are you getting some of the nutrients that you're not going to get from just fatty sources? He's not, not doing it anymore. And I'm not sure just because I think he freely admits it's a hard diet to follow. And anyone who does it would say the same thing. But um, again, we go on and on about uh, the benefits and detriments. And maybe it is something you cycle. For example, you know, ketogenic diets, you go on them for a while and then you go off them for yeah. a while or you, you do them with supplements. I mean, we know with ketogenic diets, we want to supplement with certain salts, right? Mm. Uh, you know, magnesium salts, calcium salts, stuff like that. I didn't answer your question. <laughs> uh, yeah, t- uh, I-, I answered more in terms of food groups. But in general, I mean, I think it's why it's the craze too. Eliminating the, the sugary foods, the starchy carb foods mm. is the best thing we can do for, for the, the mainstay of the population. It's interesting because so many people have normalized having a big, bowl of oatmeal in the morning. I know. Or, or well, like that was toast. the cholesterol craze, right? Yeah. If I recall. Yeah. Correct me, right? I yeah. mean, oh, you're going to reduce the cholesterol. And we were all focused on cholesterol. And that's a whole nother topic, right? This cholesterol fiasco that we've developed over the, what, 70, 80, last 70, 80 years. Mm-hmm. This idea that cholesterol is bad. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's how that started, right? Mm. Uh, is Is too much cholesterol bad? Is, should we be liberal with our cholesterol intake? I know there was like a anti-cholesterol and people's hormones were a mess. Uh, where, where, where are you with cholesterol? Are you saying, yeah, it's, it's liberal. You know, if you get tested and you're 250, that's fine. 220, that's fine. 200 is fine. Where do you stand? Well, I, I take a little different perspective on it in that uh, the analogy I use is gasoline. Is gasoline bad? No, it runs your car, your lawnmower, your, your chainsaw. I don't leave the five gallons I have in my garage next to my acetylene torch because mm-hmm. that wouldn't be too smart, would it? Yeah. I mean, particularly if it were on, I guess I should say. Um, gasoline is not inherently bad. Cholesterol is not inherently bad. We just talked about it earlier. We alluded to it, right? How it's the, uh, the basis from which we make a lot of hormones that are the steroid hormones from the word cholesterol, testosterone, estrogen, DHEA, progesterone, uh, what I meant, pregnenolone for general categories, right? So it's not bad. For, oh, and I've left out vitamin D, which is not really a vitamin. It's, a, it's another steroid hormone. So is it bad for you? No. When it becomes bad for you, like gasoline is, if, for example, I had a house fire, which progressed to the garage, I'd like to think I was smart enough to grab that five-gallon can and run, mm-hmm. right, uh, before it became a real liability. Yeah. Well, cholesterol, unfortunately, for people that have a lot of inflammation... And therefore, the start of this repair process that Mother Nature gave us when life expectancy was 30 or 35, and it didn't matter that we we're patching up the walls, right? Because, yeah, you're dead in another you know, few years anyway. Who, who cares? Well, we're living to 90 and beyond a lot of people now, right? And that patch job doesn't work. It, it closes off the, the aperture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, for those people, you know, they're out of luck in the same way that we mentioned earlier about, you know, growth hormone and IGF-1 not necessarily being bad for you. And a lot of people, it's really good for you unless you have cancer, at which point, okay, you don't get that advantage anymore. Ditto with cholesterol. Once we find out you have plaque in the arteries, you know, I joked that the, the website that says that anything we use, particularly statins, for example, that uh, are lowering cholesterol don't work is right next to the website that says that, you know, no Jews were killed by Nazis in World War II and we haven't landed on the moon yet. Right, right, right. Statins work great for a lot of people. Anything that lowers cholesterol will have that effect. 
typically on, on coronary artery disease. But if you didn't have a bacterial infection, for, for example, would I give you an antibiotic? Mm. Okay. Here's where we get, I, I believe, where we got the wires crossed. Okay. And if you talk to some of the, the, the best out there, you know, Dr. Stephen Room over at Best in the West, UCLA, mm. or Dr. Mark Penn, formerly with, uh, or maybe still associated with Cleveland Clinic, he will tell you, uh, Dr. Penn, you know, 95% of the cardiologists, not just PCPs, don't get this right when it comes to cholesterol. We've just gotten that, I call it the, the, the uh, and I don't mean to go too far afield here, but the, the paint by numbers medicine, the business of medicine. Someone comes in with a elevated LDL, so-called bad, and we go, okay, well, here, let's reduce your risk. Let me just throw them some, some uh, statins, which by the way, don't come without risk. Yeah. Forget about just, um, uh, when I say hurt, there have been people that are have been maimed. They're not a whole bunch, but there are people that have been maimed using statins. So I don't think you want to give them out willy-nilly. Yeah. You know, first do no harm. Remember that mm-hmm. the oath? So uh, anyway, I think there's a lot of, uh, that's where the wires cross. Yes, it's effective, but you don't need it till you need it. There are better ways to approach it. If you have a predisposition to coronary artery disease, well, then talk to them about maybe lowering their their saturated fat intake at that point. And then, you know, the most recent thing, which is finally a godsend, they're showing now that uh, maybe it's not such a big deal anymore to differentiate between HDL and LDL cholesterol, very top level uh, designations, because as I've been saying for a while, cholesterol is cholesterol. I don't care if it's on the truck going from the liver out into the vasculature or from the vasculature back to the liver. There's a point at which it's circulating and it has the potential to get into trouble one way or the other. So if we need to lower cholesterol, let's talk about it. But otherwise, until proven otherwise, why are we focused on it? The ketogenic diet is a perfect example. If, if the LDL cholesterol were the culprit in all this, our ketogenic diet patients would be dropping dead left and right. I see guys and gals with 278 LDL cholesterol, right? Mm. If it were such a bad thing, then why aren't they dead? Mm. Mm. Makes sense. Sorry, I get passionate about that one. I know, I see that. It's so misleading the way we've been treating it. And the science just doesn't bear it out the way we've been looking at it. Yeah, and that's a beautiful thing over the years we we see more and more. But the whole cholesterol craze was crazy. It was literally, that was crazy. Okay, as the tail end of this, we're going to get to like some, maybe some juicy supplements or or things that we can use for the longevity or, or or the hacks. What are some of your favorites here? Let me start by, by, uh, with an anticlimactic one. I'm convinced that exercise is the great equalizer. Mm. And to segue into one reason why is the, the current uh, craze, fad, whatever you want to call it, with NAD+, right? Mm. Do you know what the best source of NAD plus is? Exercise. For those of your audience that remembers that are high school fizz, you know, we're getting some energy breaking off that hydrogen from NADH mm. to NAD, right? Uh, well, when you're exercising, you're creating a bunch of NAD, more than you could take and make use of with supplements, even intravenous supplements. I mean, we don't have a whole lot of science behind that yet. It's, it's developing, it's in process. And I'm convinced that, you know, particularly for people who are short and who don't get a lot of exercise, I've seen it in my office. Uh, one of the things I've seen even with me who, who gets a lot of exercise on purpose is uh, resetting that, um, that sleep rhythm where with my Ura ring, I can see those 90 minute cycles. It was amazing. Now it was only for like two days after intravenous uh, uh, use of about a gram of NAD, right? NAD plus. But um, uh, in terms of um, other tricks, I mean, look, if you've got some uh, repairing to do, some regeneration, 
I'm a big fan of stem cells. Mm. I've seen them work. I have you know personal stories as well as patient stories. Uh, anything from you know in my case uh, serious spinal cord damage to um, uh, one of the first patients I ever uh, knew in his public. Uh, so I can say his name, David Lyons, who treated uh, multiple sclerosis with it very effectively. Uh, and there's plenty of examples all around the world where stem cells used appropriately can help regenerate tissue. Um, I'm a big fan of peptides. We have so many opportunities with peptides, right? Uh, your, your audience knows about peptides. Uh, you know, insulin's the most obvious example people use, obviously very valuable. Uh, but we have, I, I call it the, you know, tinker toys. They're, they're like tinker toys and you can have all these different configurations. Just changing one slightly can change the way it works in the cell, uh, 180 degrees. But we have the ability to test these these peptides out, and they're very. Uh, we've found a way to make them much more safe, uh, both in terms of making shorter acting as well as longer acting. And uh, think of it when you combine uh, stem cells, so we can create tissue in a petri dish essentially, and artificial intelligence, where we can say, okay, it looks like this molecule will be a good uh, start, you know, from from the R and D department as to a way to uh, replace insulin. Let's just use a simple example. Mm. They can test it not on humans or even animals. They can test it on human tissue, though. Mm. And think about how you could develop drugs, other peptides, that much more quickly. So I'm a huge fan of that. Um, other, or now, okay, peptides are things that people can use. Yeah, that was a question you asked me. What, what yeah. are some, not necessarily do-it-yourself things, but things that anyone can get out there and do, and that's the point of the book. Uh, hot and cold therapy are huge. Mm. Right? We get a lot of effect. You know, uh, one of the things, you know, it doesn't have to be full-blown dysthymia, but... You know, look, there's a lot of stress out there today. You know, you know, all you got to do is read the paper. Yeah. And if you take it to heart, you know, that can affect you. Well, a, a jump for three minutes in a cryotherapy machine and you got those endorphins flowing. You got uh, particularly uh, nor, norepinephrine, a uh, little energizing going on and uh, uh, release, you know, for, for uh, believe it or not, I know it sounds backwards, but heat shock proteins can get released, very protective. Uh, so, and, and you can, again, the opposite, an infrared sauna for, for a few minutes, which is really very similar in effect to um, zone two training. If you look at your heart rate, if you're in a sauna that's at least, you know, 130, 150 mm -hmm. degrees, mm -hmm. you'll know, oh yeah, that's close to my zone two limit, right? Yeah. Uh, not necessarily a cheat, it's, you know, still, still valuable for you. Um, hormone replacement therapy. I can't, you know, talk enough about that one because... That's almost a guarantee, like death and taxes. You get to a certain age, you know, by definition, somewhere around age 35 for a, for a male or a female, and, and the hormones are going to start going the wrong direction. And they're like, if you will, the oil and the machinery. Uh, without it, things aren't going to function properly. You can still go into the gym and, and fight like hell to, yeah. to keep the six-pack and to make the muscle, but without the leverage, and I choose that word carefully, of, particularly in this case, testosterone, it's not going to happen. I don't care how hard you try. It's just a scientific fact. It's not going to happen. So, um, you know, these are things that people can track by themselves. There's a way to track it now. Uh, you know, you, you heard about, uh, you know, the biological aging markers, right? And there's some controversy about that. But one of the ones that's uh, sort of a premium um, BA, uh, biological age marker is DNA methylation. Telomeres is arguably up there too. We just don't have all the best studies yet mm. um, to support that one. But uh, the reason I like that is because one, it gives you a, a, even if it's not accurate, you know, I'm 60, it tells me I'm 55. Great. Okay, I'm doing some right stuff, but I want to do better. I can implement some of these changes that 
are theoretically going to help for the general population and see what works for me, mm. I can start taking some uh, AC11, uh, some TA65. Uh, I can up my exercise, not necessarily my, my exercise, but my gardening time, whatever I think might help. Yeah. And of course, changing one at a time would be ideal for the scientific method. But then I can measure it again as my point. And think about just that, th th what I'm talking about there. Then it takes away the having to trust what you read in a study or yeah. read in a book or heard from a doctor. You are measuring it, okay? And as long as you put faith in it, it doesn't have to be accurate, but if it's precise enough, which it is, and you go, wow, okay, this stuff is working. And if nothing else, is that not motivational? Yeah. To know and to feel like you have the control over this is a great starting point. Mm -hmm. you, you're not spinning your wheels, which I'm sure, you know, we lose a lot of people that way. It's because I don't see results right away. And we're talking about the long-term increasing health span. Mm -hmm. If they don't necessarily feel differently, maybe they're already doing everything pretty much right. But now we're going to implement some things that'll put some time on the back end in good health. Yeah. They may not go, oh, I, boy, thank goodness I tried that, you know. Yeah. Then they're going to drop off unless they can see some way to measure that, right? Yeah, 100%. And that's the best way. And I see that you're the biggest advocate for that through the whole conversation. That's the theme that I'm seeing is really looking at your body. How are you feeling? You be your own scientist or advocate and, and really connect to what sleep nutrition, exercise, how it's all affecting you, supplements, biological aging, you can do all the things, see how it's feeling, right? Because if we're feeling good in our bodies, then that's a big, that's the best indicator, right? Let's keep doing more of that. And not to take it away from doctors. I mean, I think our patients are coming in because they want some help, Yeah. but who doesn't want to, okay, I got your advice, but who doesn't want to take control mm -hmm. and be able to do it themselves? Again, with the big factor being control. Yeah, yeah I came to you because this isn't what I studied and it's not what I want to study. I'm a, I'm a stockbroker. But I want to be able to trust your advice. I want to be able to take it, and then I want to see it. I don't want to have to trust you. I do want to have the control. Why do Why do a lot of patients go to the black market for peptides or you know SARMs is a big one, right? Mm -hmm. uh, selective androgen receptor modulators. Why do they do that? It's not because it's more effective. I haven't seen that at all. It's because they have the control, and I think yeah. they like that. So why not give them the power to have control, mm -hmm. but directedly? And we do. And, and you've given us so many tips to explore on here for really living a longer, healthier, thriving life, which is the best part, right? Like we all want to live longer and have our kids and see our grandkids and so on and so forth, right? But feel good. We want to do the push-ups when I want to do the push-ups when I'm 80 years old. You know what I mean? I want to do some pull-ups when I'm 80 years old. I want to look good doing them, you know? So, uh, Doc, when is the, is the book out? Is the book out right now? The pre-sales are available right now. We made the bestseller list on Barnes & Noble uh, already. Amazing. That's Congratulations. Cool. I say that just because I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I don't, I don't mean to, like, it wasn't to, be, uh, to impress you, but uh, it, to me it means there's some traction that people are actually going to read this, which is the reason I wrote the book, is to spread the word, to get, to get this out there so that, you know, our, I would argue our patients can go, oh, great, I have some avenues here. Yeah. Uh, uh, but um, uh, it drops officially, it's released, I guess is the right word, on uh, March 7th. March 7th. And we can expect all this stuff we talked about and way more foundational stuff, what we can be doing, we can be exploring. It's basically a guidebook to cheating death. Well, I hope so. And, and again, to, even though there's some things that we harped on that are uh, sort of basic, it goes into the reasons why. One of the things I enjoy about what I do is um, for the patients that will tolerate it, which are most of them. I mean, you, you know, you tend to gather what, what, uh, 
the patients that uh, cotton to you, I guess, yeah. naturally, right? You yeah. know, they, they kind of weed themselves out. But I love telling you how the watch is made, not just what time it is, you know, and, yeah. and I think, because I think it helps with compliance. I think when patients understand why, again, they don't have to trust you. They do, obviously, I think, otherwise they wouldn't have come to your office, right? But then they go, oh, well, that, that makes sense now, right? Or, wow, I didn't think of that. You know, it's counterintuitive. But now I read the science. Oh, okay, I get yeah. it, yeah, right? Sure. So sleep is boring. But if you read why and how, wow. I mean, again, I won't put you in this category necessarily unless you want to be, but, you know, because it's usually derogatory. I'm a nerd. So I love reading that stuff, right? Yeah. And there are a lot of people that go, oh, okay. Because it does take away some of the mystery. And I would argue, you know, particularly with COVID, and we won't have to go into the political stuff or a lot of stuff, but... There's a lot of mistrust out there amongst uh, the, the medical establishment. So I think it helps to be able to say, hey, you don't have to trust me. Here's the science. Right. Perfect. I love it. Where else can anyone find you? Website, Instagram? Yeah, all that stuff. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't manage that stuff because it's not my, yeah. I gave up on that a long time ago. Uh, but uh, yeah, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. I think we're even going to have a TikTok thing because they do uh -oh. the video thing. Right? Here we go. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll catch you on a TikTok then. I love it. Younger generations living longer at an earlier age. I'm proud that I'm at least uh, in, the, in the part of the game at this point. I love point. that. Yeah. I love that, man. Hey, look, I feel your passion. I know what you're here to do and you're just giving people so much health, science-based. It comes out of your pores, man. And thank you so much for writing this book for everyone. Thank you for coming on, giving thank us you. the knowledge, the tripod, which is so visually easy for us. Now we can we have foundational stuff to do. I appreciate you, Doc. Thank you. I appreciate you too. Thank you. Thank you for having me, really.